Hi, and welcome to the Living in Harmony Family Ministry Podcast, where parents are at the forefront of raising their kids. We exist to help families create a biblical culture in the home while navigating the culture in the world. That being said, welcome to the show. Well, welcome to Living in Harmony, episode nine, second episode of the new year. We've been rolling into it well. My name is Delmar. I am Robert. I'm April. And we hope you've had a good week. If it's your first time joining today, you can check us out. We're on HarmonyChurch.com, or you can find us on Facebook. So uh, we dig into our sermons every week. We dig into what's going on in your family. And this week, let's start off with this. What's been going on in y'all's family? Oh, well, this week, uh, we took down the last of our Christmas decorations. Sadness, yeah. but it had to happen. We've had a, we've had a uh, kind of a tradition for a long time that, uh, you know, we, we wait until the end of the first week of January, the first, you know... Uh, in order to before we start before we take everything down some things come down before then but uh you know one of my sons and i got out yesterday and took the rest of the stuff off the off the house and rolled it all up and so we're all done for this year christmas is up you get to put it out in 10 months right that's right or nine (laughs) i'm actually we it it is going to be earlier than normal this i'm super okay with it we're going to try and beat walmart to the christmas decorations goals we really we talked about it i we i i actually decided this year i'm going to experiment in september and october are going to be our fall decor months okay and normally thanksgiving weekend is when christmas goes up and this year it's going to be november 1st we're going to do a christmas so what you're witnessing, everybody, is the first stages of empty nester syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to decorate that much earlier. Well, this weekend, uh, my kids and I, we decided to have a little uh, sleepover here in the uh, studio slash man cave. Fun. And it was until my son decided to wet the bed. Oh, no. Oh. Which, which is weird. He I mean, never... better him than you, right? <laughs> yeah. He never <laughs> does that anymore. He's, my, well, he's, like, he's like five. And they say, Dad, I, I, I'm wet everywhere. What happened? <laughs> all on the couch, all on the. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was a whole event. But you know, we just we get up, we change them, get them back in the thing. But we had a good time. I think it's you know what I've noticed is the best sleep I ever get is the day after we do these sleepovers <laughs> with the kids because they stay up like I tell them if you're over here, you with Dad, you get to hang out. So they stay up and watch like Lego dinosaurs. <laughs> That's what they want to watch right now, and then. Yesterday, I was like a zombie all day trying to catch my breath back. But today, we're back and uh, ready to roll. Mm-hmm. So today, we're going to move right on into our conversation of the week, because I think this one is something... No, I don't think. How about this? This is something every parent is going to deal with, whether on a micro level, macro level, um, when you have more kids, you double your chances of getting it more often. Uh, it, it's varying levels in your children, but it's all there because uh, we have all guilty of sin. Mm. So today uh, we're going to be talking about what does it look like parenting the rebellious side of your teenager, <laughs> the side, or even your little kid, the side that doesn't want to listen to mommy and daddy, doesn't want to get dressed, or the one who's sneaking around, not doing what they've been told to do. So uh, I'm sure we all have a lot of examples of how this has gone down, even in your own life as a, as a kid. <laughs> I know I do. Um, but even especially on the parenting side, and I think like a lot of times in our culture, depending on where you go to learn how to rebel, um, parent rebellious teens, like you get massively different, massively different advice. So today, what we hope is that um, the things we talk about, we're going to 
they're grounded in um, in God's word and also in good good practices. So that being said, uh, if y'all want to open it up, some things you've learned when it comes to rebelling um, to parenting your rebellious teenager. I think something that you you just said there is is being grounded in God's word. If you if you mm-hmm. kind of start with a with a good foundation, um, you know, if you're if you're at the stage in life where you've got you know no kids yet or very young children, and you start to to build that foundation, and you say, uh, you know, okay, this is right, this is wrong. God wants us to to behave in this way. These are the reasons why. These are the principles. These are the you know, this is this is where we get our values from and our idea of what right and wrong is. And, and when you start that at a young age, then when they get older, you can you can reach back to that. And I think we may get into that a little bit later. But but when you can you know you're not trying to invent something on the fly when your 12 year old all of a sudden has a you know uh, has has an issue, or when your six year old has a has a temper tantrum. It's like, oh, no, you can reach back and say, remember what we've learned about how God wants us to behave. Remember how God wants us to treat one another, right? You know, you share with your brother, your sister, your friend, because God shares with us, and, you know, we, we forgive people, and you don't have to hit back because God forgives us. And you can, so if you if you lay those principles out early and young, then it, it gives you an example uh, to, it gives you it gives you foundation, it gives you tools that you can use later on when you, when you have to deal with that. And it doesn't mean that if you, you know, if you've got 12 year old now and you, you haven't done that, that doesn't mean you can't. Um, it just makes it a little bit more difficult. Now you have to kind of lay that foundation, you know, on the fly. You have to build the airplane and fly it as it is because it's already going. I think, um, you know, one thing that's really useful when, when talking about dealing with the, re- the rebellious times and, or streaks or, um, you know, just the pat when those things come up is, um, being, having really good communication and being very open, honest. And, you know, one of the worst things I think we can do mistakes wise as parents. And I think at times all of us have instances where, where we're guilty of this, but one of the, I think one of the worst things we can do is things like, because I said so, or this is the rule because I said so. And, um, I'm not saying that, we have to justify everything to our children. Otherwise, you know, they shouldn't, you know, be required to, you know, be obedient as children, but, but helping them understand, um, that you just aren't arbitrarily throwing down rules that make no sense. Or, you know, one of the things that I think, um, we have talked about with our kids over the years is reminding them when we have to have, when we have to draw the line and we know that maybe this is something, it's a particular thing that, you know, one of our kids or more than one of our kids may not like or wish that wasn't the case. You know, we'll say, you know, we, we are of every, of anyone, you know, on this planet, we want what's best for you more than anyone else. We love you and we want what's best for you. And, um, why would we make rules that weren't necessary just to bother you or just to ruin your life or just to, you know, and so helping them understand some of the whys behind rules can help them sometimes process and, and see things a little bit differently. I think sometimes all of us, it's kind of within our sin nature. We want to push back from the rules. We want to chart our own course and we don't want people telling us what to do and have to obey something else. You know, that's why, you know, uh, 
pick pick your rule. There's whether it's you know speed limits or um, just whatever. I mean, yeah, that's the first sin, right? Is is deciding right and wrong rather than let, letting God you know decide right and wrong. Right, right. And so I just you know um, we all since we all kind of have that that rebellious streak in us, I think being able to see and understand that there's a plan for our, for our good, just like God has a plan for us and for his glory. And, you know, that's what we want from our children is we want, we have guidelines and rules because that is what God has asked of us. And that is for, for God's glory and for our children's benefit. And that's challenging sometimes to, to, to break it down to the level where the child is, right? Mm-hmm. That's a different conversation with a three-year-old than it is with a seven-year-old than it is sure. with a 12-year-old than it is with a 17-year-old. And, and you know, the, the cool thing is if you, again, if you, if you laid the foundation, you can, you can build on those things. Um, but man, I can remember it, it takes, it takes patience and it, it really is difficult sometimes, or it, it was for me to, to go back to, okay, how do I explain this in a way that a five-year-old can understand because I'm wanting yeah. to explain it the way an adult can understand and to, to be able to uh, April you're always much better at this <laughs> when you know dealing with the kids and communicating with them where they are um, but to be able to to break that down in, in a way that they that they get it and then to, to stop when you see the eyes glaze over it's like okay that there's only so much that mm. only so much explanation that you can take at one point <laughs> that, by the way, is something as women, I think we are more guilty of than than you guys as men is the con- going over and over and over the point. And I know I have been <laughs> at times trying to talk to my kids about things. And um, one of them I, the, was, you know, it would not be uncommon. They might say, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but this is getting kind of lengthy. So <laughs> we get my it. attention <laughs> is starting to to leave. <laughs> well, and that's that's a good example of how that how the conversations over the years that wasn't something that, you know, our 7-year-old kids were saying to us. Right. That's something that our 17-year-old kids were saying to us and um yeah, I think I I tended towards the other way. It's like, okay, I'm going to be very minimalist and say just the bare minimum and a lot of times they didn't get it. And so between the two of us, we had a we had a good balance on that 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 you know, I would try to say too little, she would try to say too much. Um, and then in, in the middle of that is wisdom. And, right. and I think that's, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this later when we start talking about the sermon, but the community aspect of that, you know, even inside the family, inside the marriage, that, that community, that as we, as we approach things differently because of our different temperaments and because of our different personalities and, and just in, in, as, as individuals, then there's a, there's a wisdom that is in the combination of it. When you know when we preach, we're one of the best... If you if you got a preacher who you really love and he is a biblically grounded preacher, there's always two things you see in these sermons, and that's law and gospel, law and gospel, law and gospel. Law, like you got it, you feel the burn, then you feel you know the cool. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of um, marriages are similar when it comes to parenting their children. One of the parents generally takes more of the law, and one takes more of the gospel, the grace. That doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that one's worse than the other. And obviously both of them communicate grace, of course, but one of them tends to be, and a lot of times with, with men, I'm guilty of self. Sometimes I'm like, stop, you know, stop because this is upsetting your brother, you know, but you know, mom, sometime will let it, cause that's her baby, you know, will let it go and then it'll build up. So sometimes, you know, and that's, that's one of the things about the law, right? The one of the reasons that I gave us this law 
is so that way we can know what holiness looks like. Because you don't, what does, um, Paul says, should we sin so grace should abound? Like, I don't want you to get in trouble. I'm going to lean in. But I think one of the things, I've heard two things just now that really struck me from hearing your response was, Robert, you said that there needs to be the foundation, right? There needs to be clear foundation for your family to build how you're going to operate as a family on. That, for the believer, is the Word of God, right? We get our truth. We get what is good and wrong. But then there's other things like, we're a family that doesn't wear shoes in our house or we're a family that does wear that. That's not, you know, that's not it's nuanced, but what's still there is you are setting the expectations. And, and I do, I see this similar in scripture. God, he, he showed us what was good, right? He showed us his word. We can follow that as the expectation. But then like you just said, April, you got to have the expectation, but you need to come alongside with communication, right? And that's that's why he originally gave us, you know, the priests, and that's why Christ came, because he is, he is our our high priest. He, he communicates on our behalf to us. And, like, a lot of this parenting really is mimicking on the micro-familiar level with what he's done with us on the theological level. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, like, being Christ to your child, you know, because Jesus, you know, I heard, oh, oh, gosh, there's this sermon, this, oh, y'all... We'll just call it. Um, so Saddleback's done and doing a series this week, and they got a new pastor and um, or a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about how Jesus um, brought the party and how Jesus is, you know, wherever Jesus was was a party, but he partied with a purpose. So today at church, we're going to teach you how to party with a purpose. And there is a YouTube channel called Bezel T. I would encourage anyone listening to list, check this channel out. This guy listens to sermons, and he breaks them down and helps you hear what they're really saying. And he, and he went into it. The whole thrust of his sermon was, you know, you need to party and have fun like Jesus. But Scripture is really clear. Jesus hung out with sinners to call them to repentance. Exactly. Right? And, like, when it comes to parenting, sometimes it's easy just to want to hang out with our little sinners <laughs> instead of calling them to repentance. And a part of that communication that Jesus demonstrated to us that we're to do is, like, no, we... When we tell our kids, if you don't do this, you're getting a spanking, the follow how important is follow through? Very important. <laughs> yeah. Well, can I ask you guys a question like then about that? Yeah. Have any of you ever set a, a boundary for your kid? Like you cross this boundary, this is your punishment. And then the other one's in the room, but you don't agree with that punishment. But now one of you's already set the punishment. So now the other one, you have to like how do y'all work through that? To, did that happen? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it did. Did that happen more than once? Yes, it yes. did. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's one of those things that you have to balance. Um, you know, so one of the things that we kind of a principle that we set up uh, very very early on is that we wanted to present a unified you know a unified parental front to the children. Mm-hmm. So we did not ever want to create a situation. Now kids are going to do this anyway, right? You dad doesn't give you the answers, so you ask mom, and vice versa. Um, that's go- that that's human right people do that but we didn't want to create that 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 um uh, that idea in our kids um, unintentionally or or allow it to happen um so we we tried never to contradict in you know in in, in public yeah in front of the kids but there'd be times it'd be like oh let's go talk about this um there were a very few times where one or the other of us would try to stop the conversation in the moment and mm-hmm. say hey we need to sort this out Usually, but that would be very rare. 
Yeah, that was very rare. Usually we would let it play out as it was, and then we would go talk about it in the other room. And we came back sometimes and said, you know what? Mom and dad talked about this and we were wrong earlier. We think, you know, we came to what we think is a better idea. Um, and sometimes that was, yeah, we were, we were angry and it was, you know, the, the, the consequence we doled out, you know, you're not grounded for six years. You're only grounded for six, six months. <laughs> you're only grounded for four years. Yeah, four years. <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we came back and I think that's important. Um, and I think we've talked about this before in, in other contexts of, of being willing to apologize as parents and admit you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the areas where it was is is that we we didn't as they got older sometimes we would we would have that conversation in front of them and we would kind of hash it out and right. you know when they were old enough to understand what was going on but um but yeah we we did that and, and I think you know coming back you know a half an hour later or a little bit later the next day and saying you know what we slept on this we we came back the next day and. And and we were we were too harsh with you last night, or we were we were what we what we said before. We we think there's a wiser way to do this, and here's why. And I, I think that's a healthy way to approach it. But I do think that um, going back to something you said before, I do think it. I think it is important as parents to be as you as your children see you that you are unified. I think that if your children see that one parent is starting to say, well. This is what your consequence is going to be. And in the middle of talking to the kids, the other parents are like, no, 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 that's, that's too yeah. harsh. Or no, I think it needs to be this. And so don't do that. What your, what your kids are going to see is mom and dad don't really agree with each other. And we can kind of, what will, maybe we can kind of get away a little more with this. And if we go to this parent, this, you know, this parent might, you know, let us get away with this more than the other one. And I think, I think it's better I, I just personally think that it is better for the kids also, I think for peace of mind, even if the kids are in a moment of rebellion and, and disagreement with you, I think there's still a comfort in knowing there's unity within within their parents. Yeah, I think and that's true. I think there's a security in knowing that their parents are are unified in, in their thought processes and things like that. You know, but that raises a good point though, that you know so there's there's a there's a foundation that you set as parents with your children. There's also a foundation that you set um, as parents with each other, right? That's separate from the kids. And you know, talk to talking to the to the to the husbands and fathers a little bit here. You know, that's that's our job, right? When when Jesus tells us to be, you know, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. You know, part of that is helping to to set the standards and to say, okay, this is how our family is going to operate under Christ's headship. You know, under the under the 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 way that the Bible tells us to work, this is how we're going to work that out in our in our own home. Mm-hmm. And and it, that's that's our job to 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 help set that. That doesn't mean it's a dictatorship. That doesn't mean it's like I'm going to say this and and wife, you're going to do what I tell you to do. That's that's not how it works, uh, or not how it should work because. We're to submit to one another, um, you know, in in love, and both of those concepts there are you know are are in Ephesians, and, and I think to to be able to to lay that foundation initially, you know, as the as the husband to be able to say, okay, this is how our family is going to operate, and, and you do that um, in in the marriage, and then that allows that to flow through into how you deal with the kids, and it it allows for all those other things that we just talked about, and and I would say in the same sense of putting that self-sacrificial mutual love, when you're fighting 
for this issue in your family, you're not fighting your child, right? right? Like you're not fighting your child. And a couple of things I would encourage is, and, and this I'm preaching to myself right now, right? But don't ever tell your child, you make me feel like this. Because what 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 kind of authority have you just handed over when you say you make me no, you're a grown adult. You you mind your feelings. You're not fighting your child. If anything, I would say two things I would encourage is number one, you're fighting for your child, right? Like for their future. You're fighting for them to make good decisions. You're not even even the most rebellious ones, and, and as a, 50, a student pastor for a lot of years, like that's something that I've seen a lot of parents struggle with. It's like my kid's so bad right now. I just they, you know, and they, at the end of the day, they sit down, we're counseling, and they're fighting each other. It's like no, don't fight your kid. You're fighting the wrong thing, right? And then also in regards to y- your spouse, it's something that I'm as my kids get older and they can think a little deeper in regards to how they're going to escape punishment and how they're going <laughs> to not just escape punishment, but actively do things to try to be um, not punished. Like the other day, Calvin wasn't supposed to be on Minecraft, right? But he was, and I don't think I knew. And then mom drives up, he shuts Minecraft off and lays it down. I'm like, what? Oh, nothing, just watch TV. No. Oh, he was told he could be on Minecraft, and I didn't know. And she's home now, so he puts it like, I'm like you little demon. You know, mm. and um, that be all. The, all that being said, is one thing that's is is a hard truth to swallow. This is your kids are not concerned about your marriage. They don't know how to be. It's not that our kids right. don't, but like if your if your child realizes they can work mom against dad and get what they want, what are they going to be most concerned with? Working mom against dad, right. e- even even though. Um, even, even though, like, of course they don't want their parents to be in a bad place, but, you know, this conflict and how you handle your children can create that tension. And I think, like, one of the things that has naturally just occurred in, in, in our marriage, and, and I, I kind of like it, and I, it does require mutual submission and respect, generally speaking, whether it be with punishment or just in general, we go with the conserv- the most conservative opinion. So if if... If Calvin wants to go do something, like say I want to take Calvin to a jump park. I'm like, this jump park's wicked awesome. <laughs> and then Hannah is like, listen, it is Martin Luther King Day. Everyone's out of school. Most of these kids are bigger than him. He's going to be at a jump park, and they're going to smash him into the rails. I don't think you should take him to the jump park today. I'm like, but I'm off work today. Well, I don't think. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, what? and this is advice that had been given to me, and I found that it had been true. Take the more conservative of the two parent opinions. Don't take the less conservative right. one, um, because you know it's becoming less conservative is is a drift. It takes work to keep it grounded. Now that doesn't mean we're harsh and we punish them and we lock them in the room for weeks on end. That's not conservative. That's just mean. Right. But like when you're deciding what you do, so like even even if we and this would be a good place to enter a conversation. Um, we don't want our children to be rebellious. But sometimes, let's be honest, the way we interact with them can set them up for rebellion, right? So, like, if we don't want them to go somewhere, like, how do we communicate that that does not evoke that rebellious spirit, that rebellious heart? How do we communicate that to them in a way that's like, even if you know they can go, 
but you they're not going. Like, is there a certain road that you take to kind of mitigate that rebellion before it comes out? Mm. Well, I think um, this actually perfectly works into something I wanted to mention anyway, was that I think it's important that when we interact with our kids, um, that they, that, that we are, you know, we empathize with them, that we, that they know we understand them or that we're trying to understand them. And it doesn't mean that we agree with them. If they're wanting to do something that we have said, you know, no, that's not a good idea and, or no, that's not going to happen. And if, if the, if the kid is upset about that or, you know, just at odds or trying, wanting to be rebellious, um, I don't think it's helpful to, so I think, and, and I will say, you know, we actually were able to talk with some of our kids, um, leading up to this just to kind of get their input now that they're, you know, older looking back, you know, asking them, you know, how did you feel during some of the, you know, uh, younger years when maybe there would have been some, um, not that know. our kids were ever rebellious, but, <laughs> you know, no, one of their I mean, so, and, yeah. and I, but you know, um, I don't think that it's helpful for, for kids, you know, to, for them to think that their parents don't understand, don't, and, and that's something you hear a lot. My parents don't understand, mm. or, um, you know, they just, they don't get it or they don't understand me, or they're just saying this because they, if they only understood then they would let me do this thing or whatever. And that's one of the things I think is important is that you take time to make sure that your kids know that you do understand them. You do understand where they're coming from. And you can say things like, I, I know from your perspective, I rec- I understand why this is important to you, or I understand why you wanted to do this thing. Or maybe the rebellion is a sinful thing. I understand the temptation in this right. area. Um, especially if you can share from your own life um, a similar temptation or a similar struggle, or if you don't have the same struggle or something different and just say, you know, I understand the temptation to want to do this thing, even though God's word says mm. we should do this other and, and help them know that it's not you as the parent are not some, um, you know, person who thinks you're perfect and never does anything wrong. And your children are just the ones that are you know sinful. And if, if they know that you're understanding where they're coming from, and yet you still have to put this rule in place, or you still have to say no, or you still have to require this thing. I think that can help them recognize my parents do get me and this is still the better they still feel that this is a better thing that is so important and i think that's that's one of the incarnations of christ that's one of the beautiful things he understands you know like he understands and he he didn't even have to be incarnated to understand but now like there's no workaround for us right but one of the things i would offer as well is there are going to be times especially with the rapid way the culture's changed in the last 10 years. There's going to be times when we just don't understand. Right. And I think one of the most healthy things you can do for your child is communicate that. If you don't understand something they're struggling with, let them know. Because like expressing that you don't understand is a way of understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, point in here that's sort of implicit in what what you both were just saying you know you don't understand just by saying i understand right right? Right. and i know that that i know for me that's one of those things i'm i'm uh, at at times i'm very quick to say oh yeah i i understand what you're saying when i i don't really i i think i do because i'm applying my filter as adult 
looking back and thinking, oh, I, I know what you're doing. I know where you are and, and what you're thinking and feeling when I, when I'm, I may, I might be right because I was a kid. Right. But I might not be right, especially talking to my daughter. It's like, no, I, I was never a daughter. I was never a teenage <laughs> girl. So I can't, you know, I, I can't understand that in the same way. Um, so, you know, listening, being able to say, you know, saying, I want to understand that's the, that's the beginning of it, but not the end of it. And you don't just declare yourself empathetic and say, oh yeah, I empathize. And therefore, you know, right. it, it, you have to have that conversation with them and be willing to sometimes have, I mean, you have to have patience and sometimes have conversations that are tedious, I think is the right way to put it. It's like, okay, you've got to tell me this. I don't get it. Tell me again. Okay. You just use the same words, put different words in it. I'm really trying to get right. this and, 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 and have that often enough. Um, and again, back to the preparation, you kind of, I think a lot of it, you, you have to try to have those convers those types of conversations, um, in advance of the crisis. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, one thing I was just would want to add on to that is, and you kind of, I started, I think started to hint at it is, um, you know, if there's a difference, even if you do understand where your child is coming from, um, without even needing to talk to them, like if, it's still, I think, important to have those conversations where you're actively saying, for example, if you're trying to figure out how would I even begin that process with them, um, you can just actually say the words sincerely, you know, help me understand your thought process behind that. Um, I have said to my kids before, in fact, even having nothing with like parenting, but just in the role of, of teaching students and teaching, um, you know, teaching math, especially because, I mean, I, I teach a lot of math, um, you know, trying to help understand, help me, tell me your thought process. Um, what were you thinking as you solved that problem? So I can kind of see where the breakdown is and I can help, uh, you know, better assist in teaching you that you're, you know, like in the world of math. Um, but what, even with parenting, it's help me understand when you thought it was okay to behave that way, or when you thought it was okay to say those words to that person, help me understand what you were thinking. And I'm not talking about saying it from like a, well, help me understand, you know, but what I'm, were you thinking? what were you thinking? Yeah. Not with that tone, but from a, a tone of genuine Help me understand because I want to know you better. I want to understand your side. I want to understand where you're coming from. And when your kids believe, because it's true, when they believe and, and understand that you truly do want to know their thought process and what was important to them that made them make that choice, and they go, huh, my parent wants to know this, and I get to be heard. I get to be understood or seen. Then I think that will help them be able to view things a little bit differently when you have to redirect them and down a, a different path than, than, you know, where they're going. And I think this gets back, Delmar, to something you said a second ago when you say, remember that you're not fighting with your child, you're fighting for your child. Exactly. Right? This type of understanding, this helps the kid to understand, to, to really internalize, no, mom and dad are really trying to fight for me. They, they really are trying to understand, even though it's difficult and even though it, it takes time, you know, they're, they're trying to do what's best and, and what, what they think is best. You know, we as parents are, are trying to do what, what we think is best. And the kid um, the, understands that over time, not in the moment, not in the, the, when the emotions are flowing and the hormones are going and everything. But, but in that, you know, in that long term, they, they feel secure in that. 
And I think it's important also for us as, as parents to recognize that, you know, children at different ages, they process information differently. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you, you, you have to think yeah. through it differently and you may have to have the same conversation multiple times um, and to, to really get it through and, and you have to approach things differently. Um, and it's not going to, it's not just going to land the first time. And, and your, your punishment needs to be clear, yes. right? right? Like I know what's very helpful in, in our family is when I have to punish one of my children, I tell them why, why is this happening? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, because you know, I played in Minecraft. I wasn't supposed to. Okay. That's why, but you know, I mean, it's, it is okay. As you get older, it probably turns more into a conversation. But when you said child, just let them know. No, I would say be, go beyond. Let them know. Let them tell you why they're getting punished. Mm-hmm. You know. So, um, my my middle child, my oldest one, will pick on the middle one, and then my middle one ends it really fast because yeah. he will just go off and he will just pop him. You know, they're boys. You know. Oh, that happened. That happened with me and my brother. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so like the other day, I want to say my middle one like punched my oldest one in the chest or whatever, and then threw something, and I went up to him and I I. I gave him a spanking. You don't, you don't smack your brother, right? And then he starts crying. Let's put him in timeout. Go up to him. Why did daddy spank you? Why did I? Because I threw my pillow. No. What did you do before you threw your pillow? I hit Calvin. Yes. You, you can't. So if, and I'm just sitting here thinking, man, if I would have forgotten to go over there and unpack that to him, he would have thought that I spanked him because he threw a pillow. Who wants to live in that house? Exactly. Right? Where you might get spanked if you drop your pillow. You know, yeah, that's and- that's one of the things I think was a really good piece of advice that was given to us way, way back when we first were becoming parents. And one and I don't even remember who who mentioned it or whether we maybe we read it in a something or saw I don't know. But one of the things that, that we heard early, early on was don't ever like don't discipline your child without uh, for you know don't do it uncontrolled and um make sure that they understand exactly why and make sure that you you know afterwards hug them and love them and remind them that you love them and so that was with us um pretty much for the way the way we disciplined when they were young was um if they you know we would say okay you're going to have to get a spanking for that and it was just a, we'd sit down and have the conversation. Why are you about to get a spanking? What happened? Yeah. And have them kind of be able to talk through that. And so by the time they got the SWAT or two, I mean, like they knew, they knew why they mm-hmm. knew what they had done. They had talked about it. And then we talked about like, but we love you and, um, would able to end it, you know, hugging them and through the, you know, and letting them know we love them. Yeah. So, and I think there's a, I think I remember when that happened, that was, I think that was in a Sunday school class. And I think that was before we had any kids at all. I think that was the class we were in when our first child was born. Yeah. And if Lots I remember, of wisdom in that and if, Oh, that was a great, that was a great class. And if I remember correctly, the, the uh, class leader actually brought his child in and demonstrated, um, oh, wow. he, they had talked about it and he said, okay, we're going to, we're going to demonstrate how we go through this thing. And, and he didn't demonstrate not 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 the, not the, not the, yeah, but, not just the, the but just the process of yeah. we're going to talk about it and what did you do wrong and 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 to be able to see that um you know to to be able to understand because I think the 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 key the key point in that 
um, is, you know, human cognitive development, we don't, we, people don't process long-term consequences until they're like 25, right? That, that part of your brain isn't fully developed. And so, you know, as, as children, they just don't think about what's going to happen in the future. And we have to help teach that and we have to help them develop that. And, and we have to be that part of their brain until they can, until they can develop it on their own. And I think there's another key point in that, in that story. And man, I'd forgotten that. That's, that's great. But um, there's a key point in that is that, you know, you, you really have to, I mean, don't have to, you should be relying on the community around you. Right. And, and, and uh, we're going to talk about that later, but, uh, but this is a good point where there's always someone, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a, a healthy community of, of people who are trying to follow Christ, and if you, if you're intentional about building those relationships, then you probably have someone in your circle who has children older than your children. And those people, you know, probably have been through something similar to what you're going through. And they may be able to say, hey, this is what we did and it really worked. Or maybe they're able to say, oh, try not to do this because we really <laughs> messed that one up. Which kind of brings to like one of the, the last things I wanted to get to because what you just said is critical. There should be people in your life, in your community, who've been there and done that. If you don't have that, you need to go find it. And actually, yeah. we're kind of without excuse. It's it's similar to the flaw. Um, one of the flaws of the current education system is we take a bunch of people who are the same age and put them in a room, a bunch of 14-year-olds, and say, okay, now y'all learn. And they are helping each other learn about relationships and if I'm going, if I'm a 14 year old, <laughs> y'all, I'm going to, this is really embarrassing, very embarrassing to admit, but I found an old hard drive this week. Oh boy. Y'all, I saved, this is so embarrassing. No one will ever see this. My <laughs> own children. Got to burn it. Okay. It's no <laughs> a good thing. No one I, will ever hear about it. I Whatever found, it is, you got to burn I it. I found all of my instant messenger conversations when I was a kid. I <laughs> saved them on a hard drive from when I was like 14 to 16. And I went back and read them and I was like, oh man, why did anyone ever want to be friends with you? Because like, it was like, oh, I like so-and-so. Well, what does so-and-so like so-and-so? Oh my gosh, I sound like the thing that annoys me now. But like, <laughs> but, but it was a real good snippet into like, who was raising me? Well, it was Devin, who was one year younger than me. I was going to him for dating advice. Mm. And and that's really bad way to, to like do your life. But then when we get older, we keep that same model a lot of times. What do we do? We have newborn kids. So we go to the new new kids parents class at church right. where we're equally with a bunch of people who are just as experienced as we are and maybe one guru at the top of the class. We really should. That's not a bad thing to be in that. We need support. Right. But we also need to be working to be in community with other people who have done this and are on the other side of it. Hundred percent, and 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 that is so valuable. And I think it's also important, just because we don't want to disparage. Sometimes, rebelliousness is baked in in such a way where it is not unholy for you to seek professional help. Absolutely, right. it, counseling is great. And and I'll just really quick, my two cents on that is like, you need to have a counselor who shares your same worldview. Yes, and and that means it, it, being a Christian, they need to be they need to be a believer. But but I want to encourage you, please go one step deeper than that, because I know 
their 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 card says Christian counselor, but if you go look on their social media post, you're like, this is far from the Christianity that's in Scripture. Right. And and at the end of the day, they are going to advise you based on their worldview, no matter how many PhDs and degrees they have. So when you're seeking a counselor, I would encourage you find one who's got a Christian worldview. And what I've learned for me is I generally know one or two people who I trust who may go to one. And a lot of times word of mouth is one of the better ways to find a counselor because I want people who've sat in the room with that person and have heard what they've said, not just what their flashy card says. Yeah, and there's yeah. a there's a really good principle there too. Um, you know, it's really tempting right now. It is incredibly tempting for us to, you know, oh, I've got a problem. Let me just Google that and see if I can <laughs> if I yeah. can find someone else because there's someone out on the internet who has had the same problem. Well, that's true, but you don't know if that person is telling you the truth. Right. right. You may get, you know, you may get, here's 10 ways to deal with a rebellious child, and, but you have no idea to know if the person who wrote those 10 even tried those or even has children or, you know, is just uh, pulling them from somebody else's blog, right? Mm-hmm. What, you know, that's back to this community thing. You know, if you have a relationship with a family, with another family, it's like those kids, they, they did something right. You know, you look, and we've had several. We've had yeah. several of these in our lifetime, and, and it's immensely valuable to to be able to look at that family and say, "Okay, their kids are older than ours, and I want my kids to be like them." And those are the people you go talk to, and then they tell you, "Yeah, we we did this, we didn't do this," and but that's the that's where you get that where you should get that that kind of advice, and 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 you know, like you say, with a with a counselor, you need someone with your worldview with your with your um, parenting advice, or really this goes for anything else, someone who shares your worldview and is going to be able to say, yeah, this is wisdom that, that worked for us. Uh, and it's, you know, it's only in, you know, being a, in a long term, you know, doing life with someone for a long period of time that you really get to see that it's easy to fake that online. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's easy to fake it in an hour a week on a Sunday morning. Um, it, it's, it's. I mean, you you have to get to know people to know where they really are and what their what their family really is like. Yeah. So on the whole, some just to kind of summarize some of the things we've said. You know, when it comes to when you hit the rebellious streaks or the phases or the long run, you know, maintain open communication. It's critical. Got to have the boundaries, the firm foundation. Um, it's important for us to be on the same page when it comes to how the discipline is going to carry it out. Um, if you find that you're in a different place, go as best as you can resolve that place and then come back. Also, don't forget to show love and support. Go to go to professional if you need to. And definitely don't do it alone, you know, because even in Scripture, the rearing of children was done in, in community. It was done in group. That's one of the reasons why God gave us the church, which is the perfect segue to talk about (laughs) what we talked about in church this week. So let's go. We're at uh, what we talked about in church this week. So this week was was the start of a new series. Dan brought it. Um, I sat in the back row and was tempted to just shut down because it was extremely personal and I felt convicted. And even when we got done, my mother was there. She goes, well, you needed that, didn't you? I was like, <laughs> ah, thanks, mama. We are in a series the parenting called... parenting never ends, Yes, right? the parenting 
never yeah mama always says you always be my baby so i, I agree <laughs> but uh yeah we are in a um a series called grab bag theology which is the whole idea is uh you know when you go on an airplane you can only take the essentials in your carry-on like what are some of the essential things of our faith that was a really good premise got to give dan his it. his creative his creative juice for that and this week he talked about um one of the core tenets of walking in christ in that we are to be in community, which I actually thought was a perfect segue from last week because we talked about how we are in sin in community through Adam. Mm -hmm. I thought I was like, wow, did he mean to do that? And then this week we were talking about, well, this is where we are in gospel life together in community. And uh, we are starting a whole bunch of new groups at our church this week. It just all lined up really well. But that is one of the most important things because you can be in community in an unhealthy way. And you can be in community in a holy way. And uh, to today, he, he kind of really leaned in on what it looks like for us to pursue community. And I, I like the idea of like pursuing community because community is going to find you, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but pursuing it is real important. Yeah, it, you're right. It's going to find you. I mean, we're, we're human. We're people. We, we are social creatures. Um, you know, God created us that way. And and uh, even the even the evolutionary um, psychologists will say that we are you know that we're 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 designed to be in community and and I think it is important that uh, that we we seek out the appropriate community and and you kind of put yourself in the uh, in the place where the where the people are who share your worldview and who want to go uh, where you are and you know it's it's there's a lot April and I were just talking about this on our way to lunch earlier is is that there's a there's a huge temptation in our uh, culture right now to say oh I don't I don't really need people I just I, I don't need uh, a family I don't need you know it's just it just can be me and my cats or you know maybe me and my spouse and um, but you know, cats are pretty cool when... cats are pretty cool <laughs> uh, I like cats but but at the same time you know cats not gonna uh, is not gonna provide this kind of community for mm -hmm. you and. Um, and I think it is it is it is important for us to recognize that we we do need this, you know, as humans to to develop. It doesn't mean you can't live without it. It does mean that you can't thrive without it. You can't be um, you know, you can't be uh, fully what God has created you to be. You know, it's funny. It's um, if you look at so many popular shows, they're they're saying it without saying it. Like a lot of popular movies are about finding your community. You know, like superhero becomes a superhero. How long does it take before they're part of the Avengers or the Justice League? <laughs> right. Um, you watch any Ninja Turtles. The whole arc is always one turtle decides to do it on his own until he realizes he needs his brother and has mm -hmm. community. Like you find all of these things because intrinsically within us, we know that this life is not meant to be lived alone. And And I think many people listening right now would say the most shame, some of the most shameful things you've done in your life probably were alone in your head or at your house. I mean, like it's, it's in community where we find accountability or in a bad community, right? Or, well, or in a bad community. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, equal. that's one of the things I was, I was going to say is when you were talking about community is going to find you. And so, you know, you can be intentional about the kind of community you're seeking out or you can be passive and community will find you and it may or may not be the kind you should have, been seeking out. And I liked 
I like the definition Dan get, gave for Christian community, which I thought I would just throw out there to help set the framework here, yeah. is he was defining Christian community as unity of spirit that comes from Christians' shared gospel beliefs, gospel convictions, and gospel behaviors. And that is kind of that community that we should be pursuing for our, you know, um, that doing life together, supporting each other and spurring each other on. And it doesn't mean that we're not also reaching out to others and helping to help show them the way and pull them into community. But that's where we should be seeking out our community. Dan said something. I was like, oh, this is going to make a few people mad today. And I but I, I thought about it and then I was like, well, he's right. And he says, you can only have fellowship with other Christians. And I was like, Ooh. but then he's like, no, because by virtue of fellowship, it is a, bond, a bond that is chained together through the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can have community, you can have groups, but you can only have biblical fellowship, the kind that nurtures your soul to goodness through other believers. Right. And and even going back to, um, we're talking about parenting, like how many times if we were to look at our, our rebellious child, like, okay, how much fellowship do they have versus how much human interaction do they have? Exactly. Yeah, those oh, are not the same thing. Goodness. Because mo- they can have tons of human interaction, but if it's not if it's not fellowship, then it's not going to be pushing us towards who God's created us to be. Yeah, and I think there's a there's one more point that's um that's that's fundamental here when we talk about being being Christian, being Christ-like. Well, Jesus existed in fellowship. You know, he in his earthly uh, life during the incarnation, he brought he brought people around him to be part of his you know to be friends and to be part of his um, to be part of his life. But even in the even in God's nature Himself within God, there is the Trinity. There's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit existing in community. So it's part of you know it's part of God's nature to be in community. And and he when he calls us to be like Him, when he wants us to be more more Christ-like, to be, to be uh, more like Him, uh, to be images of God, that's part of it, is to be in community, right? Because that's, you know, God's nature is community. And he, he, he kind of tied this to two big concepts, and the first one is we work through our pain in community. And, you know, by virtue of what it is, being invited into community is on some level being invited into pain. Right, because we're all we're all sinners, but also because um, every one of us is. When you're in community, if somebody's going through pain, you're going to feel that pain. I mean, look look at Jesus on the cross. His his twelve, his mom. Like, think about his community at that time. They weren't like, you know, just having a good time. When one of you hurts, you all hurt. But I think that that's part of why we need community. It keeps us selfless. It keeps us focused on not just the me of life. And I say um, there's a level of that that I, I, I have find hard to achieve without having kids. Not to say you have to have kids, but like especially if you're listening and, and you don't have children, like being in community is even that much more important. Because if I'm just a solo out here doing my own thing, like it's really easy for me just to be about me. Mm-hmm. But being in community pulls you in further and grounds you in that way. Right. And I think you know, when you talk about and you just said a couple of things there that I think are, are really profound. And again, things that things that even even our culture understands. You know, being in community 
often means exposing yourself to pain, right? Loving something means that you are putting at risk the 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 damage to that thing and therefore the damage to you, you know, by nature of your relationship. So when a, when I when I love my wife, now I'm I'm making myself vulnerable to you know to her. Um, both if she decides, you know, to to hurt me in some way or, or inadvertently does, yeah, that's that's a risk that I take um, gladly, but that's a risk that I take. And and if anything happens to her, even you know, outside of that, now that's another you know that's another risk that I take that I have to trust God for. Um, and I think that that that's part of you know, to me. And I don't know if this is me as a man or just me as an individual that that when I'm dealing with something, when I am hurt, I really don't want, I don't want, my, my instinct is to go by myself. Right. And that is not healthy. You know, it's not a good thing to be because, you know, if I, if I go off by myself, you know, my, my tendency then is to kind of stew in that and to, to, to live in right. that and to just, you know, to, to ruminate in that, in that, um, in that hurt, whatever it is, rather than to allow God to bring healing. And a lot of times, you know, that healing has come through, you know, somebody else, you know, bringing, you know, trying to bring me up. I'm telling you, and, and let's just, let's just be level with it. Whenever you try to act like you're fine around people who are supposed to be part of your community, it it kind of makes us a hypocrite, right. you know? And for me, I, I mean, we were just talking about this before the show, like the, the day when I realized I needed to bring Robert and April, you two, into some real struggle I was going through. And then I shared with you what I was going through. And and you even told me that a part of you was like, really? And then once you sniffed around it enough, you were like, oh, this is this is real pain. And in, in, where we're in a different, I'm in a different season now. I'm grateful to have so many people who went through it with me. But having my community with me in that, not just proximity, but like there was this time when I was like, I need to bring my community into what I'm going through. It, it did much for my soul, mm-hmm. you know? And I think there may be people listening right now. It's like, there's at least probably one person in your community right now you probably should bring in. On, if, if it's something that you're getting to where you can't handle, you know, then don't handle it on your own. You don't have to. Like, that's the beauty of the church. You don't have to handle it on your own. Even if it's a, a mistake that you did that's causing repercussions, cool. Like you you may have to deal with the consequences, but you still can have community to walk with you. Yeah. You know, there's there's another there's another side to also consider <clears throat> as we're talking about all of this, which is um and I think this is a this is a piece that um everything you guys just said, you know, totally spot on we aren't meant to suffer alone. We aren't meant to go through things alone and you need that community. Um, but I think one, one side of it that often I would think that most of us forget about is we also, if we pretend like everything's okay and we're not willing to be vulnerable and not willing to share with those in our close community, you know, if, if we're going through something, um, we're by, by pretending like everything's okay we're also sending a message that I think we don't mean to those who we care about who might be going through something mm-hmm. of, you know what, no one else has any problems. It's just you because just we all have our lives together, you know. And I think sometimes 
we, it helps care for other people to be, to be real and to let others know, nope, we're not people who have every single thing together and never have a problem. And that allows other people to know, okay, I'm not weird. It's not just me. Other people know how to have to go through struggles or sometimes you might be someone else has the same struggle I have and I can, I can help get some encouragement from them. So there's a whole other side to the being real um, that is actually a, a kindness towards other people and helping them. And I think this may be, you know, there's an aspect of this that, that may be more difficult for, for the guys, for, for men. It's like to, to um, admit a weakness, to admit emotional pain. You know, one of the things that struck me in the, in the passage um, that, that Dan preached out of today was, uh, so First Samuel 30 and, and verse 4 you know, David and the people who are with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Now, when you look at the context here, the people who were with him were his warriors. Right. They had gone out on a raid and come back to find their, you know, their 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 families had been kidnapped, right? Their houses had been burned and their families and livestock had been kidnapped. So the the people who were with him, these were these were warriors, right? This was his this was his army that had come back. And so now they're weeping until they can't weep anymore. I mean, th- right. there's a, there's a show of emotion there. And that just like, that really struck me. I was like, you've got guys who, who mm-hmm. go to combat and they come back and they're willing to, to, to show this pain. We need that. And, and we don't, you know, guys, we don't do that very much. And that doesn't mean that we need to be weeping in public all the time. I think there's a, there's a, there's a different way that it works, but if you don't have, you know, if you're a, if you're a guy, if you're a man and you don't have some, some guys that you can that you can weep with if you don't have some guys that you can show be be emotionally honest with you need to find some um, and it, and that's hard to do uh, it was for me I mean it, it, it has been um, that's not it does not come natural to me uh, this kind of this kind of emotional honesty and, and openness I really have to work at it um, and I have to really trust somebody and so that's that's something that that I think is is needed in this and that so that community in in this sense it's it has different layers and so there's this you know the, the the core community that you can really really be open with and then there's the the wider ones that that's that wisdom that we talked about earlier that and you I, can seek and there's a lie that we tell ourselves to make us avoid community and that's God won't give us more than we can handle and that's absolutely a lie some he gives us way more than we can handle but he won't give us more than what he can't handle and there's often times that, especially guys, will suck it up. Well, I'm a man. I'm, I can handle it. Mm-hmm. No, like sometimes God's he he wants you to break. Like mm-hmm. he wants you to break. That's why this is hap- stop. Be man up and go be in community so you can be held accountable. Yeah, man up doesn't necessarily mean man up and handle it yourself. Sometimes it means man up and go find you know go find that buddy that can help you. Yeah, honestly. So there's one more thing real quick that he says, um, we don't just work through pain in our community. We also give grace in our community. Specifically, we give grace when when sin has happened, right? We give grace to the weary because sometimes the weary present themselves, you know, as weary. And, and we do give grace in as much as, we can, as God's word will prohibit to those who are outsiders. Yeah. And there's a level of um, not closed-offness that we should have in our community. Our community should be protected, but they should also be a place where you can both receive and give grace. Yeah, I think that's, 
you know, a, a principle that was in there, you know, when we're talking about giving, giving grace to all of those people, you know, grace to the sinners, you know, all, the, the common thread that I, that I saw through there was that all of those things we can do because God did those for us. Mm. You know, I can give grace to the sinners because Christ gave grace to me, right? Mm. Um, I can give grace to the, to the weary because I was and have been and will be again. And, and God strengthens me in those times. I can give grace to the outsiders because I was one, right? I was an enemy of God. And and then he reached down and pulled me out of that. So, you know, I can I can do those things, you know, not just should do those things, but I'm capable of doing those things because God did those things for me first. Yeah, and it's it goes back to the whole, which I think we talked about this last week because we did talk about giving grace last week. It's like if he's given us grace, we should be people who give grace. And I think that is a good measure of a community, isn't it? How much grace do they give? And and that is not to say that a community gives a pass, right? right. Like community holds you accountable, Truth. right? Like like if you are if you are in sin, your community will will express that to you and hold you accountable to that. It's because uh, sometimes we're like, oh, it's a no, I'm just living in grace. No, you're you're living in rebellion. You're mm. you're the rebellious child right now, mm. and you know. So when it comes to that, we need to do that. But a good thing in that is a community also helps you know when you're no longer giving grace. You know, in the sense of maybe now, um, for example, say you're in community and and you got a couple they're dating right, and he's very kind of being cold to her. And then she's like, well, I'm just going to keep giving him grace and give like, well, no, like you're not married to this man. He, he, he obviously is expressing abusive tendencies towards you. You're not giving him grace right now. You're giving him a pass. And, and I think community is, um, is a great place for us to discover what is grace. And sometimes we're, we're not giving grace and we should be. And sometimes we think we're giving grace and we're not actually giving grace. So all that to be said, um, we can't do this life alone, right? We can't parent alone. We can't be in community alone. So our biggest hope and our challenge for you, even this week as you go on, is to, if you are in communities, let them know you appreciate them. You know, um, and I appreciate y'all because y'all are in community with me. <laughs> but uh, but let it, But also, if you don't have that, my encouragement would be seek that out, right? The great place to seek it out is your church. And if you go to your church, like, I need community, and you're like, well, we don't really, well, then that's a red flag, okay? <laughs> you, need, you need to be in community because we can't, um, we can't always see, one of the things you said earlier, Robert, is children only see what's right ahead of them. Um, but, you know, even me, as I'm 36, I can't even see as far down the road as people who are older than me. I have to have people in my life to help me think, well, you're kidding me in college one day. How's you doing this going to prepare? You know, mm. so it's, it's very good for us to have community across the board. So that being said, I'm Delmar. I'm Robert. And I'm April. And it has been great hanging out. And we hope that you are living in harmony. Have a great week.